Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 158 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier from their 2009 album, Everyone on Every Night. It is Wednesday morning as I'm recording this episode, and we will have the latest updates from training camp, everything that happened on Tuesday. However, I think we got to start today with the big news that our Temi Panarin is up for the Ted Lindsay Award. He is one of three nominees to go along with Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche and Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. And just in case anyone is not familiar with the Ted Lindsay Award or may not know what it takes to win it, um, well, first of all, it's named after Hall of Famer Ted Lindsay. Lindsay passed away just last year at the age of 93, but he began his hockey playing career in 1944, played all the way until 1960, and then he actually came back for one more season in 1964-1965. But he was a four-time Stanley Cup champion, all with the Detroit Red Wings. He also played for the Blackhawks. He made the All-Star team for 11 consecutive seasons, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1966, and he had 851 points in 1,068 career regular season games, and then another 96 points in 133 playoff contests. The list goes on and on and on, and certainly I think a lot of people probably know about Ted Lindsay, but it's possible that you know some of our younger listeners may not be familiar with his work, but obviously just an all-around fantastic hockey player. And as for the Ted Lindsay Award itself, it was first awarded in 1971, though at that time it was known as the Lester B. Pearson Award. It was renamed the Ted Lindsay Award in 2010, and it is given annually to the most outstanding player in the NHL for the regular season, as determined by the NHL players. So it's a very unique award. Uh, media members have nothing to do with it. Nobody from the media votes on it. It all comes down to the opinions of the players, and really, who would know better than them? Because they're the ones... Uh, competing against these guys throughout the regular season. In some cases, they are teammates with these players, so they get to see firsthand just how good these players are, and I can't think of three nominees any more deserving than Dreisaitl, McKinnon, and Panarin. And we're going to kind of break it down kind of try to figure out who has the best chance of winning the award, who should win the award. I do want to make one important distinction right now, though. This award is not to be confused with the Hart Memorial Trophy, which is given annually to the most valuable player. And the Hart Trophy is not determined by players. It is voted on by members of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. So they both reward excellence on the ice, but they are two very different awards. The Ted Lindsay Award is indeed intended for the absolute best player in the league, not the most valuable player. And like I said, we got three great options here. So let's go ahead and take a look at the three nominees. We'll start with our guy, Artemi Panarin. He played in 69 games this season, 32 goals, 63 assists, 95 points, all career highs despite the pandemic canceling the Rangers' last 12 games of the season. Panarin also had a career best in plus-minus with a plus-36 209 shots on goal. He racked up 24 points on the power play. That is also a career high for Panarin. Four game-winning goals, which is surprisingly actually a career low. 
And for whatever this might be worth, Panarin blocked 18 shots, the second most in his career, uh, likely would have beaten his career best of 19 had it not been for the pandemic. So that's basically Artemi Panarin's season in a nutshell. We all know his game goes well beyond the numbers. He really has shown an ability to elevate the players around him, but be that as it may, those are Panarin's numbers this season. And we will now turn our attention to Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. 69 games, same as Panarin, uh, 35 goals and 58 assists. Tied his career high in assists despite the pandemic and had a chance of eclipsing his career best point total of 99 had it not been for the pandemic. He was he had 93 points this season, so he was close. It would have probably been a little bit of a photo finish. He probably would have got there. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, you know, averaging well over a point per game this season. And a plus-minus of plus 13 for McKinnon. He had 31 points on the power play and four game-winning goals. He also had 318 shots on goal, so more than 100 more shots on goal than Artemi Panarin, although you could argue that with Panarin it was quality over quantity because Panarin scored only three fewer goals than McKinnon did, and he did it with 109 fewer shots on goal, so very impressive there. Uh, 31 block shots for Nathan McKinnon. He struggled a bit in the face-off department, winning just 43% of the 840 face-offs that he took. And that brings us to our final candidate, Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers. He skated in 71 games this season, scored 43 goals and 67 assists, a new career high in both assists and points, a total of 110 points. He somehow actually, despite all of this, finished on the wrong side of plus minus, he had a minus seven, and that absolutely just blows my mind. I don't know how you account for 110 points and still come out on the wrong side of the plus minus statistic. And granted, I'm not always the biggest plus minus guy. I don't think it always really tells the whole story, but that's just hard to figure out how that could possibly happen. Uh, 110 points, and you somehow end up as a minus seven. And that's one stat that does hurt Dreisaitl's case a little bit. And I also got to believe it's a pretty rare occurrence that someone who's up for this Ted Lindsay award could, again, be a minus in the plus minus statistic. But be that as it may, a career high 44 points on the power play for Leon Dreisaitl and a career high 10 game winning goals. He had 218 shots on net, so he scored on 20% of his shots. That's another incredible stat. For some context, uh, Artemi Panarin scored on 15% of his shots. Nathan McKinnon scored on 11% of his. Dreisaitl also blocked 19 shots, and he won 52% of the 1,269 faceoffs that he took. I did not mention Artemi Panarin's faceoff total because, as we all know, he's a left winger. He doesn't take faceoffs, but just in the interest of being thorough, Artemi Panarin took two face-offs this season. He won one of those two. So this is a very difficult decision as far as who should win the Ted Lindsay Award. And let me just preface my pick by saying that I do believe Artemi Panarin should be the league MVP. And again, you got to remember with this Ted Lindsay Award, we are talking about the most excellent player and not the most valuable player. And that is a very important distinction. Most valuable means the guy that is the most indispensable to his team. The guy that if you took him away from his team, it would have a very adverse effect. And to me, that's Panarin. And that's especially true when you look at how he's elevated his line mates, because all of a sudden, Ryan Strom looks like a bonafide top six forward in this league. After kind of underwhelming and just basically bouncing around the league from team to team, he looks like a very competent second-line center, a very good second-line center. And then you also look at Jesper Foss, always been kind of a grinded-out player on the Rangers, very popular player. I mean, he, you know, he's up there for one of my favorite Rangers. I know he's very popular among Ranger fans, but he also having his best offensive season of his career— 
And then you look at, you know, some of the guys that the other nominees get to play with. We'll start with Nathan McKinnon. Uh, he gets to play with Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen on every single night. Landeskog was there before McKinnon and was already looking like he was going to be a very good player before McKinnon even got there. And Rantanen has been a point-per-game player for the last three seasons. With Dreisaitl, he doesn't have quite as much help, I think, as McKinnon does. It's a little different because with the Oilers, Connor McDavid is typically the top line center, and then Dreisaitl centers the second line. So he usually only shares the ice with Connor McDavid on the power play. But Dreisaitl has a solid supporting cast, if unspectacular. Uh, you've got Andreas Athanasiu, who came over from Detroit in a midseason trade. He's only played nine games with the Oilers. And then you've also got Kyler Yamamoto, who is about at a point per game for the Oilers this season. He's skated in just 27 games so far. He's got 26 points. He's just 21 years old, so he's just getting started in his NHL career. So I think of the three players, we can say that Nathan McKinnon probably has the best uh, supporting cast, the best line mates that he's out there with on a night-in and night-out basis. And then with Panarin and Dreisaitl, it's, it's about even. It's about even, I would say. And with Panarin, you know, it sometimes feels like you could just throw any two players in the NHL out there on the ice with him and he wouldn't miss a beat. And perhaps more impressive than anything, he would cause those players to get better. Because again, we have seen that this year with Ryan Strom and Jesper Foss, both having career best seasons as far as their offensive contributions are concerned. And that to me is what the MVP award, the Hart Trophy, is all about. And that absolutely belongs to Panarin this season. But I do need to be objective. And my pick for the Ted Lindsay Award is going to be Leon Dreisaitl. It's clear. Close, and, you know, a case could certainly be made for all three guys. Like I said, these are three excellent choices as nominees for this award. As far as Dreisaitl goes, the underwhelming plus-minus did give me a little bit of pause, but 110 points is 110 points, and he's averaging more than a point and a half per game. It really is close. I've got Panarin as the, the runner-up just ahead of Nathan McKinnon. But again, I got to be objective here. I can't always give the edge to the Rangers. So Dreisaitl takes it, but not by a lot. And I would be happy to be wrong about this. And maybe Artemi Panarin ends up with the hardware, but I just get the feeling that the Ted Lindsay award for, again, not the most valuable player. This is for the most outstanding player. Probably will go to Leon Dreisaitl, but the hard award had better go to Artemi Panarin because that is for the most valuable player. And there is not a single player in this league that has been as valuable to his team as Artemi Panarin has been to the Rangers. And the fact that he's doing this in his first year with the Rangers on Broadway after coming from, you know, a smaller market team with the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, big money contract, jumps onto the ice, has all this pressure, and he has not missed a beat. And in fact, has had the best season of his NHL career. Man, if Artemi Panarin isn't the MVP, then something is wrong. He's got to get the MVP this year. We've also got some news about the Rangers' upcoming schedule. They will be playing the Islanders in their one exhibition game on Wednesday, July 29th. And for anyone who might need a refresher here, uh, all 24 playoff teams will play exactly one exhibition game. There are three exhibition games on Tuesday, July 28th, and then we will have another six exhibition games on Wednesday, July 29th, including Rangers versus Islanders. And that game is slated to begin at 8 p.m., I believe it will be contested under regular season overtime rules. I have not seen anything official on that. I'm not sure if the NHL has even released that information as of now. But what makes me think that is the fact that the round-robin games that are among the teams with buys through the qualifying round, those eight teams are going to be playing in a round-robin, and those round-robin games will be contested with regular season overtime rules. So if Rangers-Islanders goes to overtime, I would think it would 
follow suit with the round robin games, and that would be five minutes of three-on-three sudden death overtime, and then if no one scores, you go to a shootout, and then everybody get off the ice without any injuries. I'm sure that's the biggest concern for all these teams that are going to be playing these exhibition games. Although, when you think about it, it might make the most sense to just end the game in a tie if if the third period ends and the game just happens to be tied because it's an exhibition game. There's nothing really on the line, and so it might be best just to get everybody off the ice anyway. I don't really know what the point would be of having a three-on-three overtime period or a shootout for that matter just because that's not going to be happening in the playoffs. Once the Rangers and Islanders take the ice for the qualifying round against their respective opponents, they are going to follow typical NHL Stanley Cup playoff overtime rules, which is you skate five on five, you play sudden death overtime, and it keeps going until somebody scores a goal. If the first overtime runs out, there's a break, you go to the second overtime. It goes on and on and on until somebody scores and gets the win. So, yeah, you know, come to think of it, with the exhibition game, I wouldn't be surprised if they would just call it after the third period, even if the game was tied. There's really no reason to break the tie and have these players out there risking further injury, and playing in a format that's not even going to happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that being the three-on-three overtime and then also a shootout. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, you know, again, if I see any word on how these exhibition games are going to work before this episode is over, I will obviously give you guys an update there. And it's also just fun to speculate how the teams, the Rangers, the Islanders, and everybody else are going to approach these exhibition games because this is not a September preseason game where you're, you know, getting set to play in an 82-game regular season. This is just one game, and you are getting yourself ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So the Rangers are out there with arguably their greatest rivals, so I do wonder, you know, are emotions going to run high? Will we see playoff-like intensity? Will the first period be a little bit of a feeling-out process, and then maybe as the game progresses, both teams kind of step on the gas? We're just going to have to wait and see because, really, we've never seen anything like this. We have an exhibition game, just a single exhibition game, before you dive right into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So definitely uh, an interesting subplot to kind of keep an eye on there, and we'll see. I mean, again, it's Rangers-Islanders, and you think, like, well, you know, it's just an exhibition game. Maybe they'll take it easy a little bit. Both teams know that they have the playoffs to get ready for, but at the same time, it's Rangers-Islanders. So, uh, again, you know... There could be some intensity out there. We could see these guys mixing it up a little bit. And you do have a playoff tournament to get ready for. So I don't think you want to be out there, you know, in total cruise control either. You got to kind of find a happy medium. I would expect maybe somewhere between, you know, a regular season. Maybe that's it. Maybe a regular season game atmosphere is what can be expected. Because Rangers-Islanders, even in the regular season, uh, these games are very intense. They're very spirited. And both teams really want to win. So I would think maybe it will be on par with that. I don't know that this game will quite reach playoff levels intensity because, again, you want to get out of there healthy and just be ready to go. That's the name of the game here is just making sure you are ready to go for your playoff series because it really does not matter who wins these games, these exhibition games. It'd be nice to get a win going into the playoffs, but it's not critical. If the Rangers and Hurricanes end up in game five, and it's a tie game in the third period, I doubt very much that any of us are going to be thinking back to that exhibition game against the Islanders. So priority number one, get out of there healthy. Priority number two, get your legs under you. And hey, if you can win the game, great. Take that momentum into the playoffs. But I don't expect to see these teams, you know, just going full bore pedal to the metal as if it's, you know, a game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. Something else that will definitely have my interest as it pertains to this exhibition game is how will the Rangers handle their three goalies? Do they have all three goalies dressed for this exhibition game, and does every single goalie get one period? I'm not sure if you're allowed to do that, if you're allowed to dress all three goalies. The fact that it's an exhibition game, I would imagine the rules would be kind of laxed, 
But I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see if, you know, every single goalie uh, gets one period in this game and maybe if that even plays into the competition for who could start game one. Or it's entirely possible that at this point, David Quinn will have already selected his starting goalie for the playoffs. And if that's the case, then does that goalie end up playing this whole game just to get himself ready? Um, say it's Shesterkin who's going to be the starting goalie for game one. Maybe he plays the first two periods and then Henrik Lundqvist plays the third period. All these are interesting questions. I think all these options are on the table. We will have our answer in due time. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very intriguing situation to keep track of here as we go forward and get ready for this exhibition game and the postseason tournament. Uh, how do the Rangers gear up with their goalies for the playoffs in this exhibition game? Some other news as it pertains to the Rangers-Stanley Cup playoff schedule. In our last episode, we were talking a little bit about a TV schedule that had leaked, and it had start times for the Rangers versus the Canes for games 1, 2, and 3. And now the NHL has released an official schedule, and it turns out the Game 3 start time, which will happen on Tuesday, August 4th, was inaccurate. It was listed on the TV schedule as starting at 4 p.m., but according to this new schedule, and I tend to believe this one because it's the official schedule that's coming directly from the NHL, that game, Game 3, on Tuesday the 4th, will actually begin at 8 p.m., not 4 p.m. The starting times for Games 1 and 2 were accurate, however. Game 1 will begin at noon on Saturday, August 1st, and it will indeed be the first Stanley Cup playoff game played this year. So obviously a tremendous honor for the Rangers and Hurricanes to kick off this playoff tournament and I would imagine hockey fans around the world are going to be glued to their TV for that because why wouldn't you be it's the first Stanley Cup playoff game and we've had to go four and a half months without any hockey and like I said in our last episode it would not matter to me who is playing in that first Stanley Cup playoff game I would 100% be tuning in the fact that it's Rangers Canes just an ad bonus for myself and all Ranger fans everywhere but then you've got game two that will be once again on Monday August 3rd also starting at noon so obviously that's a little bit bizarre uh, noon start time during the week and Hopefully that works out for as many people as possible. And then one other thing to keep in mind for Game 3 is that Rangers versus Canes will actually be the third game played in Toronto on that day. You've also got Panthers versus Islanders Game 2 at noon and Blue Jackets versus Maple Leafs Game 2 at 4 o'clock. So... Again, the Rangers-Canes, it'll be the third game played in that arena on that day. It's possible that the 8 p.m. start time needs to be pushed back because you never know when you're going to get a Stanley Cup playoff game that goes into overtime or double overtime or triple overtime. So if that happens with either or both of the preceding games on that day, then there's going to be no choice but to push back the start time of Rangers-Hurricanes, and we might be staying up a little bit later than we thought. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that you know, there's going to have to be a pretty thorough cleaning job, I would imagine, between these games because, you know, there is a pandemic ongoing and, you know, Toronto, one of the safer cities as far as options for a hub city, but you're still going to need to be thorough, you know, cleaning the locker rooms. I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, the bench area, I would imagine maybe you just pull the benches uh, right out and just put new benches in for the new team to sit on. I'm not really sure how that's going to work. I haven't seen those protocols yet. But yeah, all this is just a long way of saying that Rangers-Hurricanes Game 3 is slated to begin at 8 p.m., but it could end up being later, possibly significantly later, and we might all be looking at a late night on Tuesday the 4th. But hey, you know what? It's the playoffs. If we got to stay up late, we got to stay up late. These are obviously games that are being played under bizarre circumstances, and you know, hey, if we got to stay up until 3 in the morning, then that's what we'll do. It's the playoffs. It's Rangers-Hurricanes, and we just got to adjust to these bizarre circumstances just like everybody else is doing in the NHL. 
Some news from Tuesday's training camp. Chris Kreider says that he feels 100%. If you guys remember, uh, he signed his extension with the Rangers on the day of the trade deadline. It really came down to the zero hour, and it really seemed like a 50-50 situation. Was Chris Kreider going to be traded, or was he going to re-sign with the Rangers long-term? He did the latter, and I'm still very happy about that. But unfortunately, just a few days later, four days later to be exact, he fractured his foot. And it was looking like Kreider was going to be out for the season unless the Rangers made like a really, really deep playoff run. But now, because of the pandemic, uh, Kreider has had a chance to heal. And it sounds like he's going to be 100%. But don't take it from me. Here is what Chris Kreider had to say after the practice. I think I might have been pushing a little more than I should have. It certainly didn't feel good putting the boot on for the first few minutes when I was first getting back on the ice. But I started to calm down a little bit. A few weeks into quarantine, it just all of a sudden woke up and felt pretty good. But at the same time, I needed to do a decent amount of rehab, just kind of working up the chain there, starting from where the break was in the foot, up the calf, and in the shin there. Just basically everything up the chain because everything kind of fatigues. And so needless to say, I don't need to tell you guys this, but it's obviously going to be a great boost for the Rangers to get Chris Kreider back. He is a tremendously important piece of the Rangers team. He has emerged as one of the leaders. He's certainly in the running to be the next Ranger captain. And whether he is or not, uh, he's going to give a tremendous boost to that top line. Being back out there with Mika Zibanejad, those two just have impeccable chemistry. And, you know, Philip Giuseppe at times had to actually fill in for Kreider on the top line. I think he did a nice job overall. But, man, you can't replace Chris Kreider. He's going to be out there once again with Mika Zibanejad and Pavel Buchnevich, it would seem. When all three guys have been healthy this season, that's been the Rangers' top line. I don't expect that to change. So, obviously, great news. The Rangers can ill afford to be without one of their best all-around players and a guy who has been there and done that uh, as far as Ranger playoff games are concerned. And then this was great, a quote from Artemi Panarin. He actually thanked all of the GMs in the National Hockey League for not drafting him. And it's obviously, you know, something of a humorous comment from Artemi Panarin, but, you know, Panarin, as you may recall, somehow went undrafted, and this is what he had to say on the matter. I would like to thank all the GMs for not choosing me in the draft because it allowed me to choose the team where I wanted to play that played my style of hockey and allowed me to be successful to begin with. And it's funny, but, you know, there's obviously also some truth to that because obviously people want to be drafted, but I suppose the silver lining, and in Artemi Panarin's case, certainly a silver lining, if you do not get drafted, you basically get to choose your destination, provided that the team that you want to go to has at least some interest in giving you a chance, and Panarin chose to go to the Blackhawks, and eventually he moves on to Columbus as a result of a trade, and now he comes to the Rangers this year on a mega deal, so really it all worked out for Artemi Panarin, and again, a funny comment, but there's also a lot of truth to it as well. You know, he got to go to the team that he wanted to go to, and obviously got his NHL career off to a great start with the Chicago Blackhawks. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And an announcement for tomorrow's show, we are indeed going to be joined by Mr. Vince Mercagliano, who covers the Rangers for USA Today and Lohud.com, among a couple of other uh, publications. And, you know, Vince has been on the show a couple times before. He's been attending Ranger practice all throughout this week, so he's a great person to talk to right now. He's going to give us some insight as to what's going on at Ranger training camp and just talk some Ranger hockey. It's going to be a great time, so definitely do not miss tomorrow's episode. We're going to be talking with Vince around 11 a.m., the episode will be up shortly after that. And then Friday, we'll see what we get into. You know, I got a couple different options laid out here. And it's funny because, you know, for a while there, we were only doing three episodes per week. And it's like, man, what am I going to talk about today? And now we're back to five episodes per week. And I feel like there's barely enough time to talk about everything happening with the Rangers and the NHL. But it's obviously good to be back to this daily format and giving you guys a different episode every single day.
And one last little piece of news that I'm seeing here that I'd like to share with you guys before we wrap up the episode for today is that it looks like MSG will indeed have telecasts and radio broadcasts of the Rangers versus Islanders exhibition game in Toronto. So that's obviously good news, and we'll get to see our Rangers back in action on that night in an exhibition game against their greatest rival. But yes, that will do it for today. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.